0: Carnivorous Couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. Hey! It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Ah! Carnivorous Couch. It's your song! With Brady
1: and Rob. Hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody. This is Carnivorous Couch, a film a week from two film geeks, Brady and Rob. Now, it has been obviously more than a week since our last episode. It has been around the way of like a year and four months. Uh, um, Carnivorous Studios has moved. We're in a new studio!
0: Theoretically, woo-hoo! woohoo!
1: And, um, so it took me a while to set that up. And then Brady and I have been dicking back and forth with mics for an hour. So it took a little while to set this up too, but uh, we're moving and everything's good. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: okay. I, I even missed... I've missed that part of it, of the process as well. It's all... You do the hard work and it's more fruitful once it gets going.
1: Yes, very much so. Alrighty, so this week we did 2016's... Is it 16?
2: I think it's
1: 2018. Okay, 20... Why don't you introduce it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, we did 2018's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, a Coen Brothers film. Uh... One of the big netflix releases it's one of the early ones to be released exclusively through the netflix streaming platform um and it is an anthology and uh, uh, correct me if i'm wrong I, I believe it's the only anthology the cohen's have done
1: um yeah i guess so I
2: don't know, and it, i can't think of any others so yeah th- it's a western
1: that's right brady it's a western <laughs>
2: Thank you, Rob. That is a wonderfully direct and informative answer. Yeah, so this is a Western anthology. Uh, I guess we shouldn't assume, for those of you who don't know what an anthology film is, an anthology is a film based of uh, numerous chapters or vignettes. They don't uh, necessarily have to relate to each other and often don't, uh, but are usually tied by some kind of theme, right? So in this case, it's the overarching structure of you've got five short films that are westerns yes uh, and i'm oh, sorry do you want me to go on
1: yes go on
2: <laughs> what, what do you think about that rob
1: I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to do all this again it's been a long time um we should say this is a spoiler full podcast we're basically about to go through the entire movie and tell you everything that happens so you should have seen this movie by now <laughs>
2: you should have it's it's well so it's
1: 2018 not
2: 2016
1: it's 2018 oh okay so it was like fairly we were doing a current we the last episode we said we were going to do this episode yeah so um we're doing a fairly current thing but then two. we were yeah okay um so plot synopsis
2: Uh, plot synopsis okay so it's five different stories the first one is the titular ballad of buster scruggs uh buster scruggs is a uh, a songman. He's a kind of a balladeer and also a wanted killer. Uh, he's played by Tim Blake Nelson, who you may remember from "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou." He played the delightfully uh, stupid Delmer. Uh, good, good actor, Tim Blake Nelson. He's a funny one. If you ever hear him talk, he sounds nothing like his like drawling Southern characters. He's this like very eloquent New York guy. Anyway. The story of Buster Scruggs is basically he's going around uh, looking for a drink in, in, to play a game of cards. But he's kind of got this sadistic personality where he's sort of, he somehow always ends up with a bunch of dead bodies around him. So yeah, he walks,
1: but I would say the opposite. He never, uh, you know, kind of like instigates the fighting. It's true. Uh, he's always just, he's talking shit basically but
2: yeah someone compared him to bugs bunny i think that's right he's like oh like i I love this i love getting a rise out of people and you know he's up until a point he's always the one left standing with uh, no damage done to him too true too true too true until he eventually um yeah it's it's weird to talk about that this film in a plot way But what it is is that he eventually gets his karmic justice right. Eventually someone who's like the new hotshot and who's also a good singer catches up with him, challenges him to a duel, Uh, and then in the most overt Looney Tunes touch in a story that is very Looney Tunes, he he gets angel wings and a harp and floats off to heaven.
1: Yeah, basically uh, he's kind of very lightly colored and he's uh, just walking around town and he's He's kind of very sure of himself, and then somebody else who wants to be the best comes out and says, "Well, to be the best, I got to kill you because you're the best up until now." So, too true. That's how that rolls.
2: And um, and then he
1: floats away with that song, Jillian that Welch. song. That was a Jillian Welsh song. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's when called, a cowboy uh, trades when his the spurs cowboy for trades wings. His, Sorry. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> like that a...
2: was the one thing I was going to say. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's going to be my one contribution <laughs> to this podcast. At any rate, end segment one. Segment, segment two, two is, it's not called Pan Shot, but. Uh, it's
2: called, uh, hold on, I can do it. I think it's water? called Near Nogales. <laughs> uh,
1: Sounds about right.
2: Yeah, which is a, a town in New Mexico. Uh, these shorts, they take place in different locations around the West. So they're not even you know united by a single state i'm guessing buster scruggs is in, is in like texas or arizona and uh yeah this one is in new mexico a bank robber played by james franco he's got this real like greedy look in his eyes like how do you interpret that character to me it's like greedy but kind of a dim bulb like he so wants to get the money that he hasn't really thought this through and that's what ends up getting him in trouble
1: uh, I think he just doesn't have sort of an idea of consequences, and he's just like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to do this and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the consequences happen to him. Yeah, the guy puts on a bunch of armor and stuff, and then like whenever he tries to shoot him, he hits a pan, and the guy yells, Pan shot! Pan shot!
2: Uh, that's Stephen Root. I love Stephen Root, man. He's one of our finest character actors. He's Milton from Office Space.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: The voice of uh, Bill D'Otrieve on King of the Hill. Good guy, Stephen Root. Right. Um, yeah, and so that plot is basically he makes the bad decision to rob a bank. The bank teller knocks him out while wearing a suit mm-hmm. made of pans. Uh, he's almost hung in the middle of the desert. He escapes somehow and falls in with a cattle
1: rustler. Well, the, the, Coman- cattle... the Comanche come in. Oh,
2: yeah, the Comanche come in, and that's the how Comanche he war escapes. The Comanche war party attacks, yeah. Then he falls in with a cattle rustler. Men come to arrest the cattle rustler. cattle rustler runs away. And James Franco, in what kind of echoes uh, the Cohen's man who wasn't there, ends up getting executed for a crime he did not commit.
1: Oh, I didn't catch that. I thought they were coming for him, and the cattle rustler was like, "Rama, getting out of here.
2: Yeah, well, because then it's like, okay, whose cows are these? these? Did you steal these? Like, no, this other. Oh, he fucked up. Damn it.
1: Oh, uh, I, I just thought it was, oh, we know you. You're wanted too. <laughs>
2: no, because then they say, like, well, what's his crime? Like, he's a cattle ruster yeah um and in one of the film's best jokes this film has some really good jokes uh, but one of the classics is a guy's standing next to him they're about to be hung and he looks at him and says
1: first, first time, time? <laughs> it's yeah because well he just had his first time standing yeah. on the back of a horse maybe it wasn't his first time maybe that's why he's so sure of himself but he does die looking at a beautiful lady. Yeah, you know. It was, it was in blue, and it's just like, well, that's a good last sight. Yeah. That was sort of the idea.
2: That's the Collins, and grim segment, but
1: hopeful. And segment two, segment three, is a story about a quadriplegic storyteller. Called uh, Meal Ticket. Yes, it's not It's not called Basket Case. <laughs> Although, Wait, explain this joke to me and to the audience. Well, it's not really a joke. That's just where the phrase Basket Case comes from. Oh, is it? Quadriplegics from World War One. Oh, but, no kidding. Um, yeah, I was actually kind of like, it's kind of weird to think about a quadriplegic uh, at this time, because it's normally from World War I or something like right. that. It's like, huh, I wonder what happened to him that he lost all his limbs. That's weird.
2: Well, I guess Iraq did did a fair amount of that kind of damage. Sad, <laughs> but we do have a lot of people who got, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hey, folks, it's a Collins movie. We're going to talk about fatalistic
1: shit yeah that's just kind of a given. It's just, this is where it leads. also it's 2020, which so far this year can fuck right off and it's kind of fatalistic.
2: uh yeah yeah so. I, I'm sure if we ended up doing Billy Madison, we'd somehow be talking about death right now. <laughs> it's just the way of
1: it quite
2: so nice. uh, the first I want to say meal ticket stars um one very famous actor, Liam Neeson, and the quadriplegic is played. Harry Potter fans, by the boy who played Dudley Dursley in Harry Potter. That's uh, Harry Potter's mean Oh, is that step- why
1: you said that? Step-brother? Look, I mean, the costume in this movie is so good that I didn't recognize anybody, ever.
2: Well, he he's grown up to, like, it's been years. Those films came out, like, decades ago. Even the last
1: one. True. Um, but yes, no, you're right. The So what you're saying is we're old now.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: and okay so this one
2: is about yes as you said a quadriplegic storyteller he's like your classic orator back back then like i'm sure people still do this but like it was normal then i think for people to just be like i'm gonna go watch a guy read a bunch of poems dramatically like this guy knows like good presidential speeches do a bit of shakespeare yeah it's
1: yeah i'm i was thinking about it um this is see, I tried to watch this movie three or four times, uh, When which I, I saw it all, all the way through once, but I didn't really remember. And then I was trying to, like, hunker down and write notes and this and that. Um, So I'd seen it before, but for some reason I thought I had remembered that the guy gave him somehow the, you know, held up the thing for him to read or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But no, it's not explained. It's not explained how he knows all these stories and, oh, and I, this and that. I
2: think he's just a thespian. Like, that's his trade. Um, we don't know how he lost his limbs, or if he was born yeah. that
1: way. Clearly, he must have. I mean, you know, I bet you if we did some research, uh, that there's uh, there's probably something that caused people to lose their limbs back then, or some Civil disease. War? Or, oh yeah, could have been. Oh yeah, one of those. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> we also don't know much about their relationship. That's played very mysteriously. Where it's like, but you you get the sense they have history because in that one scene. The prostitute is like, well, has he ever, like, had sex before? And then Liam Neeson just stares up into the distance and like, one time.
1: One time, yeah. Well, it's very sad, but it's, then eventually what happens is...
2: Uh, eventually... Okay, so the the narrative of this is he's giving these speeches. You see a number of performances. They're going from town to town. And but ev- the money's running out. There's
1: fewer and fewer people at every yeah. show. They've already toured the circuit. Everybody's already heard this stuff. The, what else is there? For yeah, needs you a know, new act, all that kind and of stuff. he gets
2: one in the form of a mathematical chicken. So he finds this guy who's attracting a big crowd with a chicken. You can do a math equation, and the chicken will peck at the number eight plus five. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're doing real weird math, like
1: ten twice. Well, I mean, I think it's twelve, people, but remove seven. Yeah, how people used to say back then, like uh, ten, five take away four.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess so. The, yeah.
2: I mean, the Coen's are usually pretty spot on with period detail. They like researching that stuff. Um, what happens then is, yeah, he gets the chicken, and he throws his friend off a bridge. We don't see it, but that's what happens, right?
1: Yes, and then we don't know whether or not the math doing chicken actually does math, or whether or not the guy was just had. Yeah, and he actually qu- needs like more of a crew.
2: In Cohen world, I go with the latter. It's like. Not only did you do a shitty thing and there's carnage because of it, but, like, you don't even get to keep the money you thought you were getting.
1: True. Man is folly. Man is folly.
2: Okay, fourth one. Uh,
1: Tom Waits. Oh, is that Tom
2: Waits? Yeah. Uh, what I forget the name of this one.
1: Uh, I wrote man panning for gold.
2: <laughs> it's called, like, <laughs> Golden Valley or something. Um and actually I wish I remembered maybe after a break I'll I'll go research this and at least give you the right name but two of these uh films are based on previous literary works and this one is based on a Jack London short story uh who's you know big big writer of frontier uh fiction right, <laughs> right on yeah yeah you all know Jack London Call of the Wild uh White Fang
1: yes well anyway let's stay with the Plots and the guy okay. finds a little bit, and then he finds none, and he's just looking for a vein, and eventually yeah, he's a prospector to kind of figure out, okay, so up there from the river, there must be a vein if I do it from here, and it works to, like, points, and then he finally finds...
2: He kind of does old-timey battleship, where he's like, okay, I hit two flecks of gold. Yeah. Here, there's none. Okay, I'll go the other way. Eight flecks of gold. Okay, now four. Go back the other way. And he kind of threw deduction... I, I actually really like that scene. <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah, no, I I it's probably how they did it, right? Yeah. And how like a smart person would do it is like, okay, up from I'll pan for gold to figure out where it is up the way from here. Like it's getting in the groundwater somehow or getting in the stream somehow or doesn't that
2: Oh well, well he's pulling the dirt from up on the hill.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point. He is yes.
2: we've learned a lot about panning for gold. Um yeah, and so this film is just uh him It's very sweet. I like this story, and it's probably much needed after the bleakness of Meal Ticket, which is, like, so bleak that my wife had to walk out of the room. She's like, I'm not watching this again. (laughs) Yeah. It's too mean. Um, And this one is kind of hopeful, though there is violence, because it's just this old guy. You sense he's probably not gotten rich before, but has made do, and kind of finally, like, getting the score of his lifetime. But he's doing it through hard work, so there's, like, this little red hen aspect where it's like, if you... Or just da-da-da, and you do the hard work, and you're smart, eventually maybe you get something. Yeah. He, but maybe also someone shoots you in the back.
1: Yeah, he's getting, you know, a uh, little rock. He's looking for Mr. Pocket. He gets some keepers. Then he's, uh, eventually, he's getting some, uh, um, you know, he gets... Lumps and little, chunks. Lumps and chunks, yeah. And then yeah, he, here's the gradation. It's almost enough Mr. to keep. Pocket. Yeah. Uh, keepers, lumps and chunks Mr. Fucking Pocket Yeah, and he finds Mr. Pocket The guy shoots him in the back Then the guy just kind of sits there and smokes a little bit um, I would like to think That while he's sitting there He's kind of like dealing with the magnitude of what he's done But possibly not I think he was just waiting to don't. see if he was dead I, I think, know, yeah. you're fatalistic on this You think that, that A, that the chicken could not do math uh, <laughs> And B, that this guy was just like
2: You've never believed in math doing chickens, have you?
1: <laughs> Gotta wait until the the guy's dead. It turns out he's not dead. And I, I
2: look at it as like that's an egg timer. The cigarette. He's like, all right, I probably if I just smoke a little bit of this here cigarette, that's enough time.
1: Yeah, I think he's just sitting there waiting for it. Okay, he hasn't moved yet, so he's probably dead. And then the the guy gets his gun away from him and shoots him. And he's almost angry that um, that that Robert has done such a poor job. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you went through and through, you didn't hit anything important. And you did it like a coward. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to be a shithead, at least be good at it. <laughs> anyway, and segment four, segment call five. calls him a measly skunk. Segment five starts with a well-to-do family.
2: Um, They're,
1: they're going to send off the lady to an arranged marriage.
2: Yeah, so, okay, this one opens in, like, a boarding house. Um, and it gives you a view of, like, how in those old, like, Houses that had people coming and going, everyone would eat together. So, like, it's yeah, hotels were interesting in those days. Um, and so, yeah, they're having dinner around this table. And the two characters of note that we meet are Alice Longabau and her brother. Alice Longabao is played by Zoe Kazan, who's a big up-and-coming actress and writer, uh, wife of Paul Dano. She was in The Big Sick, and she wrote uh, Wildlife, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. I encourage you to check it out. Very nice. Um, And so what's happening is her brother is kind of like this shitty fly-by-night businessman, and he's taking her to Oregon to start a new business venture with an orchard owner uh, in the hopes that he can marry his sister off to him. But the people at the table are like, wait, you don't know? So you're just assuming that he's going to propose marriage to your sister? Um, Yeah, this guy's a bad businessman and so they're going on the Oregon Trail to Oregon and what happens early into the trip is the brother dies of cholera and making matters worse there's a hired hand that they've you know gotten to help with the wagon and the husband or the brother has only paid half of what he's owed so the hand is threatening to walk away and basically leave Alice in the lurch if he doesn't get his money uh... so Alice turns for help to the captain of the train, the guy leading the train, a young man, a handsome young man with Keanu Reeves energy, named Billy Knapp. Uh, Billy Knapp... Have you mentioned
1: that the brother died? I did. Okay. Have you mentioned the dog?
2: I didn't mention President Pierce. Oh, that's important though. President Pierce is a dog.
1: She inherits President Pierce and uh, the barky dog, and then she meets Andrew Knapp who's Billy Knapp. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we went to Andrew school. Knapp is somebody we went to uh, elementary school, middle school, high school with. So we can say that he was mentioned in this <laughs> podcast. Um, Billy Knapp, yes. Billy Knapp, Billy
2: Knapp is the, the party, the wagon party leader. He works in tandem with his older friend, Mr. Arthur. And yeah, so Alice has two problems. One is she can't get the money to have her hand stay. And also people are complaining about President Pierce being a mean little Jack Russell and barking the whole trip.
1: Yes, and he does that, and uh, so at any rate... uh,
2: So she turns to Billy Knapp, and she's like, what do I do? Andrew Knapp is
1: going to go shoot the dog.
2: (laughs) Andrew Knapp tries to put President Pierce down, but fails.
1: President Pierce is a smart dog and goes, he's going to shoot me, I better run away. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: so that's his solution to that problem doesn't work. His solution to the money problem is to propose marriage to Alice. And what you kind of get on this, as the she's inclined to accept, she's inclined to accept his offer, um, is this very kind of sweet courtship. It's like a very like plain-spoken like sweet these people meeting each other.
1: Well, it's less about courtship in those days, you know. Like she's gonna inherit this land in Oregon. No, she's gonna get three hundred twenty no, parcels gonna, or whatever.
2: No. Oh no! What what he what he means is if they're married they can, through the Homestead Act, claim land. Okay.
1: yeah. So, at, at any rate, what I was trying to say is that it's less about love and more about the arrangement of, you need someone to take care of you, I'll take care of you. Yeah. Uh, uh, through this thing, we can actually get this, and, you know. Right. It, the incentives of the time was to incentivize people to marry, settle, have kids, uh, you know colonize this new world right
2: yeah absolutely but i think kind of like what is interesting about this is that like normally like you do have stories of those you know convenience arrangements where it's like okay we just need to help each other and that's what that this is but then at the same time you get this like thing that's like well actually but we kind of do connect well
1: yeah but before that she was set up to go probably marry somebody up there i'm saying
2: probably not on this
1: but it was an arranged sort of thing it hadn't
2: been arranged yet
1: the idea was that's what was supposed to happen
2: yeah well her brother's an idiot and he's like oh it'll be fine like i'll just bank on this he's my business partner and then you find out he wasn't even really his business partner he's like he'll probably be my business partner and when that probably happens he'll probably marry you
1: I, i think maybe the idea was uh You'll get married, and then you get the Homestead Act 320 parcels or whatever of land, and that's what the brother was going to magically spin into a thriving yeah, business. Yeah, because if whatever.
2: she'd married him, she'd be an orchard owner.
1: Right. So that's good. But, um,
2: yeah, so uh, what happens is eventually President Pierce comes back, and... Well, she oh, hears him barking in what? the distance. Yeah.
1: She gets on a horse and rides away from the caravan over to President Pierce. President Pierce. And then the other guy, the older guy who Mr. runs with, with Andrew Knapp, runs the <laughs> Billy Knapp. I know, the, but I'm just saying Andrew Knapp. For the a fun grizzled
2: second. old wagon leader uh, finds her and President Pierce. President Pierce is barking at some prairie dogs. He's like, "Yo, I just found out there are Comanche like really nearby. There's a war party right next to us. We need to go now."
1: Oh, I didn't know he knew that until he saw Like.
2: Well, because you see him, uh, oh, oh, he, he finds he the hoofprints. Hoof prince, yeah, and that's why he goes around looking for. Her. He's like, "Oh shit!" Because you get foreshadowing. She wanders off one time before that, and yeah. Billy is like, uh, "This is like the ocean. If you get even slightly away from a landmark, you're fucked. You will not know where you are, and you'll get lost." Yeah, because it's the although the plains.
1: caravan's long, and all you have to do is get back over to the rise, and then you'll probably see the big long caravan. Good,
2: but but uh, an ill-fated hill. I'd really fuck you up. Yes. Uh,
1: uh,
2: anyway, so she unfortunately wanders off again, and they end up being attacked by a Comanche war party.
1: Right. He gives her a gun that says, hey, if, if it looks like I'm finished, just shoot yourself because you don't want what's going to happen to you to happen to you. The guy fights valiantly, and then uh, he looks like he's about to be killed, but he, he pulls it off, and he's all right, and they're taken off. Uh, but uh, then he finds her, and she has shot herself.
2: Yeah, because what happens is he there's a scare. He gets knocked out by a guy hiding on the side of his horse. Uh, or, by an,
1: or he gets knocked down, and then they, the thing's about to to uh Yeah, he's, he's about, about to, to scalp him.
2: him and uh, and like people have pointed out what's interesting is you probably get the two gunshots simultaneously because he shoots the guy about to kill him. Right. And people are like, well, when does she shoot herself? And it's like, it's probably right then.
1: Well, it could have been any time that he went over the hill, too. Oh, but he, it's
2: only for a moment. It, it's, like, really quick. He B- says,
1: you hold on here, and then he goes up and he shoots this guy who's over there. He shoots Right,
2: but there, okay, so there are two battles, and shortly before he gets knocked out, like, we, we get cut back to her a lot. So we do see, like, pretty recently, pretty soon before, she's still alive.
1: All right, fine, you win. Anyway, she shoots herself <laughs> and she's dead. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. And she, then
1: we get segment six.
2: She got rattled. The name of the segment is The Girl Who Got Rattled.
1: Ah, oh, okay. And then we get segment six, which is mostly rich people talking about life and their different viewpoints in a carriage. <laughs>
2: I don't, they're definitely not all rich. Okay, The Mortal Remains they're well is the to last do. one.
1: They're more well-to-do than most of those people in that caravan traveling across the country.
2: I mean, one of them is just a trapper. I don't know. They're taking a taxi to Fort Morgan. Um, but it's a spooky carriage ride uh brendan gleason and i forget the other actor's name are bounty hunters and so yeah it's just i guess them talking and debating
1: well they're talking and debating and at first everything's okay and then this one woman's kind of like really stodgy about her viewpoints and this and that and then there's this frenchman who offends her and so forth and so on and as they get to the end of the ride there's these uh the situation with them saying, oh, yeah, the bounty hunter, and this information is illuminated to us that they're bounty hunters, and the guy tells a spooky story. He says, look, I distract people, and then he, he does the mm, thumping. He does the thumping. Yeah.
2: I can't thump. Um, but,
1: I mean, it's really... Just also, like, maybe they're dead. We can talk more about it later, but it's, it's just a, a kind of exposition of various different people from various different walks of life who are traveling on this carriage. Right. And they have different opinions and different talents. They sing songs to entertain each other in this long ride and so forth.
2: Um, See, my take on that thing is that maybe they're dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is that kind of foreboding. It's it's a very foreboding ride. That's going on, yeah. That is certainly a thing that's happening.
2: And yeah, and that's it. And they go to this spooky hotel. And, um, and they're real nervous to enter the hotel because maybe it's the portal to death. And they're like, oh, you go first. No, you go first. Like, well, I'm a lady. I should not have to go in the death hotel.
0: Remember That's right. When she she says is that? a
1: lady and she shouldn't have to go in the death hotel. People All are not like ferrets. Are very true. But uh, anyway, let's take a break and we'll come back and do uh, how did you like it? Okay. Okay. Hey, hey, hey! How do we like it? Hey, that's the segment that we're doing now. That's that's this segment. How do we like it? How, yeah. did, how did you like this movie, Brady?
2: You know, I I pretty well adore this movie. It's a funny thing. I, the first time I saw it, I was like, I, I might have been distracted, but you know, I watched it at home. I didn't watch it in theaters because it's it was a Netflix release, and I was like, yeah. Cool, love the Coens, pretty damn good. I think I gave it like a B plus, And then the funny thing that happened is I watched it again. Um, and then I basically loved it and had it like an A-, and I've seen this movie nine times now. So I think clearly proof is in the pudding. I must love this movie because I keep watching it. Um, and I, I don't know, I've I found that it rewards repeat viewings. There's... Um, it can be uh, watched for simple entertainment. These stories are very engrossing and compelling. But I think there's a lot of deep stuff like under the surface um, and we can get into that. But yeah, and I and just, you know, it's the Coen. So like it's kind of that like the best restaurants have the best ingredients kind of thing. The best restaurants having the best ingredients, which is like everything is so top shelf. Like the score is beautiful. The cinematography is godly. Uh, they're obviously geniuses with actors, so there's not a performance that's out of place. Um, yeah, so it's, I think I almost have this movie as an A, just because, like, I personally get so much pleasure out of it.
1: That's good. Um, I think. They're my I favorite think, filmmakers. Let's put Living. It, let's put it this way. I don't dislike this movie. I think it's a very good movie, mm-hmm. but I don't like it that much. Okay. Um, well, maybe you're where I was the first time I saw it. No, I mean I've seen it like three times. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but um, no, it's mostly just uh, I think where I was when I was trying to watch it and digest it and blah, blah blah. Like I hate GoldenEye, even though I think GoldenEye is a good movie, because I had hit my head right before the first time I like fell off my bike and hit my head, and I've just never liked that movie because every time I watch it, I just hearken back to for some
2: reason I think you liked GoldenEye. Head. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> shit, so, uh, I was going to get you a bunch of GoldenEye shit for your birthday. So, I, you
1: know, I I don't like it all that much. I, I don't.
2: Okay. What do, what do you give it? RiverIslands.com. R-
1: Here. OfficialIslands.com is not a grade, Rob. Clip this to you. That was the wireless mic picking up the... Uh, The FM radio station.
2: Official wireless
1: vacation. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do this, and then that'll make that happening from less. I think. (laughs) Yeah, keep keep that close to your body. (laughs) Okay, so
2: so what what do you give it?
1: Shit, I'm just annoyed at these technical issues that I don't know how to manage quite yet. It's okay. Oh, we got some better wireless mics. I I give that's it's like a eight point six out of ten. So what do we do? Percentages? What does you do?
2: um i i usually do letter grade oh but, b um, 8. yeah 86 there
1: you, go. there you go that's a b that's a b it's
2: a b all right well that's that's fine but i'm sorry you didn't i didn't like it so much
0: well For that's, it's that's always as far nice as i too. liked
1: it i think it's probably a 92 in terms of goodness you know, goodness goodness okay um so
0: watch it I
1: remember it's the next segment okay you want to go first or should i You should, because I don't really know.
2: (laughs) So I think what this is clearly obviously about, in addition to other things, is it's obviously about death in the West. But I think what it's about on a broader level, it probably is something that the Tim Blake Nelson character, Buster Scruggs, says early on, uh, where he refers to humanity as, what does he call it? Like, the, basically the human mess, right? I mean, okay. I think that's what it's about. It's about, like, um, the kind of like a very <laughs> bleak uh, Kubrickian view of humanity with a little hope sprinkled in. Where it's like, we're mostly kind of greedy and shitty, and there's not a lot of people you can rely on. Um, which I think is, to me, the point of that very sad, but I think very beautiful fifth film with uh, the wagon train is you get, like, a little bit of hope. And even that hope gets snuffed out because she's killed, but, like, there's a real feeling of connection between people. So I think what's at war is, like, people are mostly shitty, but I guess that means the people who aren't and, like, real human relationships and connections and love, like, is even more beautiful when you consider that, like, most people probably want to rob you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess that's the way it's... It's like... Um, when things are more dire, mm-hmm. and when, you know, living life and this and that is a little more, how you say, um, well, less totally engaged uh, with certainty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a roundabout way discuss. of saying that, because I was slightly distracted. But, um, essentially, yeah, the baser human instincts take over... And those are less um, nice. <laughs> They're a little more brutal. They're a little more yeah. like, you know what? Just fuck it. I'll take mine. And uh, then the law comes in and says, we're going to maintain law and order. No. Uh, well, uh, okay. At least I get to see a pretty lady before I die. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, you. very much in terms of taking joy in the small pleasures because the overall picture of stuff ain't very... <laughs>
2: So life Full is of them, brutish right. and bleak, but there there's beauty to be found, um, and it's good to be a good person, even though that's no guarantee that you won't get shot in the back by some callow young man with a cigarette.
1: Yes. <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> Just speaking for personal experience.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a fairly short what's it all about, but you know.
2: No, I, I think well, you said it nicely, though.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm still getting back in the swing of
0: this whole podcast thing.
1: Yeah. Let's do our uh, our understudy.
0: We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway, so... Try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies. Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch. This game called Study is happening, happening, happening right now. Eh, you stupid son of a bitch. I've given you every opportunity
1: to get out of this, and uh Now look at you. I ain't stubborn.
2: <laughs> what? <clears throat> at the camp, you said I was stubborn. Uh, for, for keeping my family on that ranch. Well, you know, what else you call it? It's my son, Mark, the younger one, got tuberculosis when we, when he was two. Doctors said he'd die if he, he didn't find a dry climate. What are you telling me to do this for?
1: Uh,
2: I guess I wanted you to know I'm not stubborn as
1: all, Ben. As uh, long as we're making confessions. Yeah. I've uh, been, uh, been to Yuma prison before, twice before, uh, escaped twice, two. Uh, there's no sense putting this on, uh, the train, Don. Uh, I'll be out within a week. You, 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 made yourself better than anybody ever expected, uh, most of all, you, uh, you did it, so go on home to your family. Okay.
0: That was undecided. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y Couch.
1: So, yes, that was Undersuddy. That's a game that we play every week where we do a thing, uh, yeah. and, uh, we do some voices. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and
2: no one has taken us up on it, but, like, anyone who guesses the voice can, uh, make us do some, some funny shit.
1: Yeah, essentially, you tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y Couch and tell us what movie that scene was from, mm-hmm. and, uh... Which two voices that uh, we were doing. It's the people the that we were impersonating are people who were not in the scene.
2: Uh, it's correct. That is why it's understudied. Yeah,
1: so I maybe would impersonate Dustin Hoffman for uh, a scene from an Adam Sandler movie. Right, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Just well, do, do you have more things you want to talk about with this movie, Brady? I do. I think there's some stuff. Okay, good. I'm glad you got something. Um, well, here's the
2: thing, and this is the first anthology we've ever reviewed, I believe. Because there aren't a lot of anthologies, and, you know, ow, on that note, um, uh-oh, I can't hear myself. I can hear you. Okay, as long as I'm there. Um, one thing I'll say is, anthologies don't have a great history, because of their very nature is piecemeal, right? So it's, often you're going to get like, well, this one thing was great, like um well is is shortcuts an anthology altman i haven't seen it uh is pulp fiction an anthology no it's it's united by a single plot it's anthologies are like different stories like i'd say parisia time is an anthology in spite of you could argue it's all happening in the same place like it's still like a bunch of different films and in that case different filmmakers
1: um so like that Charmouche film that we watched the other day. Not, not to you guys, podcast listeners, but Brady and I watch movies oh yeah, occasionally. Mystery Train. Yes.
2: That's almost an anthology. But no, no, it's not. It's, it's too
1: connected. It's, it, okay. I don't count it. Properly. I see your definition of anthology.
2: Those characters are at the same hotel. We even get overlap between two of the stories. No. This, though, um, so all of this is to say that anthologies can be hit or miss. Um, and, you know, even in this one, there's stories here I love and stories that I'm like, yeah, pretty good. I'm I'm kind of pretty good on the pan shot story. Um, though so it does have some great lines, but I, I'm going to give this the compliment that like, I think this aces the anthology test, which is a hard test. There aren't a lot of anthologies that have this level of cohesion, I would argue. Uh, so that's, that's one arrow in its quiver, I would say. Um, cause yeah. Uh, But, okay, well, there was an interesting debate going about uh, Meal Ticket um, as a metaphor kind of for the creative process. I think in the middle of this film, though it's mostly about death in the West, the Coens kind of take this meta-tack. I think both the Tom Waits coal miner or gold miner story and Meal Ticket can be uh, taken as like comments on the artistic process or the process of doing anything creative. Because in Meal Ticket, it's all about this like lopsided relationship between this one guy who has talent and then this guy who has all the power and is running the show, but needs this guy's talent to make money. But what ends up happening is he he finds this much dumber form of entertainment but that is gonna be more sure to make him money and basically kills the creative guy
1: okay i see what you're saying um if i was to think of it as like a metaphor for the creative process i would think of it more like uh you have this that's your meal ticket you know it's the thing that people like and stuff and stuff until Mm -hmm. you know they don't really like it anymore and then it simply gets discarded while you work on walk onto something else so like if you're a creative person like a, a songwriter, an artist, or blah blah blah, you'll do this as long as it's paying you, and then maybe sure. maybe you'll you'll ditch rap rock like Vanilla Ice did and and start uh, or you'll yeah, ditch yeah. rap and start doing rap rock like. That's fine,
2: but I was more thinking of like it being an analogy for like the money men and the talent. So like the Neeson character it would be a producer basically. He's the one who gets the money, he decides where the money goes and what they're going to do. Um,
1: so you're talking about it in terms of industry as, as, yeah. as opposed to in terms... Well, I mean, I think both work, and I think they're, you know... I mean, in general, as a creative person who creates stuff and so forth and so on, don't you, aren't you just a microcosm of the macrocosm of the overall creative industry in which you're working?
2: Uh, maybe. I do believe um, that these things echo... The society echoes in the individual in some ways. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. And then, but I really like what the Tom Waits thing says about the creative process. Because it's, it's the thing you're always talking about. Where it's like, look, don't worry about how much a thing you do. Just, like, get up and do some of the thing. And, like, that whole thing with, like, almost enough. And then, like, lumps and chunks. Keepers. It's just, like, I found it to be a very good metaphor for, like making progress on an artistic project
1: yeah like like, all right now results almost almost each hole he digs uh you know he takes the dirt from that hole and builds a larger product
2: right and his methodicalness at the start where it's like at the start you're not going to see any results you're just going to be like okay two flakes eight flakes all right i'm closer i'm getting closer to what i want
1: yeah like what's the spectrum like he kept going until he got down to none and he kept going until he got down to none on the other Mm -hmm. side and then kind of made a, a, an arrow, as it were, going up the hill. Yeah. 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 Isn't nothing important? I also really, uh, I think I like that segment the best because I like the, um, you know, it's one character. And he's just talking, but him going like, all right, Mr. Pocket, I'm going to find Did you. I'm going to find, like, he almost has a dialogue with the earth. And the nature as of itself, like when he uh, on the second morning when he uh, fishes and then goes to climb the tree, right? And he adds like kind of a moral conundrum with, ah, should I take all these eggs, take what from you from the bird, and then he puts them all back and then he goes, oh maybe I'll take one. The <laughs> bird's not really gonna count. Which, uh,
2: I can't believe I just put this together on a tenth viewing, but I'm like, oh, this is like the counting chicken. <laughs> It's totally calling back to the counting chicken, how can a bird count anyway um so there's yeah. that,
1: and then you know at the end of the thing where he walks off and leaves the uh the guy in the hole, uh the guy who shot him in the hole, uh you know we get a montage of nature kind of taking over right, and that was like his being at peace with hey, I'm gonna take the process I'm gonna take what I need, and then I'm okay. gonna move on this this other man who did a crappy job of trying to take more than he deserves from me right. he's just going to become part of the earth
2: yeah as he says here's your share your share is to lie in this hole right and yeah and bef- right before the Waits character is revealed to be alive you see the guy uh, hear the owl off in the distance so the owl is kind of like this god figure this karmic figure and because Waits doesn't fuck with the owl too hard he only takes his one egg the owl's like okay like in the natural order you're not being a dick
1: yeah i mean although like if a uh, monkey climbed a tree and found that the eggs you just he'd just freaking scarf all those down that in the natural order would yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't even cook them <laughs>
2: You probably wouldn't have fish either.
1: Yeah, so I really like that one. I do like the conversation that they were having um, in the carriage in the segment six. That However, one's
2: probably my favorite.
1: I, I don't like it that much. It's a little scattered. I like the idea of what it was trying to do, but mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't kind of drive it home for me. It was just like, okay, so this woman's kind of like, she thinks it's got it all figured out. She thinks she's got it all figured out. And oh, I didn't take that. Um, well, she's like, uh, there are two kinds. There are uprights. And oh, that say-
2: oh, you're saying that one. Oh, I, sorry. I was thinking stagecoach one. Uh, you're right. Carriage. Yeah, right. Uh, that one's probably... It's not my favorite, that's for sure. Right. I like it, but
1: not my favorite. But I like the conversation that they were having and how, you know, just the sort of they're singing songs to entertain each other, like... Uh, there's the French man who's just kind of like, yeah, you know, uh, oh. what love for you may not be love for... Like, in Russian. <laughs> um it's like a game of poker. Yeah. And, and she takes, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's presumptuous in saying that her her kids actually don't like having her around at all and that they're happy that she's gone. <laughs> right. Maybe they're dead.
2: <laughs> See, and that's something interesting. Every story and like, okay, the horse is, sure, that's nothing too wild but every story has an animal in it and then at the end you get this discussion of like are people like animals like are ferrets. people just kind of entertaining people are not like ferrets it sounds so much like a suburban <laughs> mother the... i do not think that i don't like this i am not a ferret
1: so yeah you're just a ferret you're exactly like everybody <laughs> else
2: what would happen if you asked your mom if people were like ferrets?
1: Rob, I don't even understand that question. That question uh, does not make sense. Are you okay? Or do you have a fever? You gotta go check, get checked for coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: right. Okay. What, what, so your favorite is the Tom Waits.
1: Yeah. That's no, like, I think that's like the most. Cohesive sort of like beginning middle and end and sort of like well put together vignette
2: I agree, and I think the stagecoach is also cohesive because I think it's where the film's meditations on like the bleak, cruel shortness of life kind of and death because like death is obviously all throughout this these things and uh, Even the Waits story, he almost dies and murders someone.
1: Yeah, I I like the stagecoach one, uh, not the carriage one, but the the one with the caravan. Um, However, it rambles on for a little while. I really like the ending, and I really like uh, kind of the plot uh, description of, okay, but now I've got this problem, and now I've got this problem. (laughs) But I'm a
2: sucker for the relationship building of it, which I think is, like, what makes the tragedy of its ending land. Like, you have to believe that something has been ripped away. Like, it's sad for her because she was coming into her own, and she's such this shrinking violet character, and it's sad for him because he's going to lose someone, and he's losing his chance to have a family. Um,
1: I I mean, I also like... um... His struggle with it, which is like, oh, i got to stop running caravans back and forth. Right. Sleeping um, on the ground. Like, sleeping on the ground, doing all this stuff. Whereas, he's got his partner who, that he, he feels like he's kind of been supporting the partner. Right. Um, and that the partner's just been doing it and doing it and doing it never stopped and gone and had a family and this and that. Right. He in doesn't fact, want to become like him. In fact, he's so much older that probably there wasn't these opportunities like the Homesteading Act and... Right. and stuff like that, available oh, for him. So really, this was the only path he had. That's probably and true. And so he feels kind of guilty, A, leaving him in the lurch and hoping that he'll be all right, runner on his own, and B, yeah. uh, you know, being rewarded as kind of a younger man in the situation.
2: Yeah. But yeah.
1: but then also he's like, but I'm, I'm going to help this lady who otherwise would be in pretty dire straits. So, yeah. like, maybe that's the payment for his guilt.
2: Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, That's
1: the kind of way I looked at it. You know, relationships weren't relationships in the way that relationships today are. Right. It was like, this is a matter of survival. I won't ever have this if I don't do it with somebody like you and then you won't have anything. I've just been thinking about it and this is a way to work this out with uh, what's available.
2: And I like that because, see, that's like, that's maybe what the cones are getting at is like, all right, at the barest level, like, People don't want to die. Tom Waits said, uh, it's the same with men as with horses and dogs. Nothing wants to die. And Cohen films are always about people kind of squabbling and trying to survive. What I like about the stagecoach story is like that's presenting the something more. It's like, okay, once you've survived, like can you have love and trust with a person? Like it's kind of hard to, especially in the West. It's a society that you might die for letting your guard down. But it's, it's posing the question of like, how much better angels can people have in a world where they still kill each other for money? I agree. And I love the coins!
1: <laughs> Alright, you wanna do Metacritical? Yes, I do. Alright, uh, think of a theme and maybe get yourself together some uh, paper. Get the papers, papers. And I'll play the thing. Play the thing? What thing? Oh. The funky thing. Oh, uh, this thing?
0: Maybe. I'm Metacritical. Rob's never gonna win. I'm Metacritical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. Woo-hoo. I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical, it yeah, it's time.
1: Alright, this is Metacritical. Hey Brady, go ahead and, uh, um, you know, do the thing where, uh, well, think of a movie. Uh, you guys can play this at home. What we do is we try to guess the Metacritic score of a given movie. And then, whoever's closest, after doing it five times, uh, they, they win. So, lowest score, golf rules, all that. Yeah. Feel free to play along at home. The Play alone. F- Yeah, the first movie we we're going to do is...
2: Uh, okay, let's jump from Liam Neeson, who's in the movie we reviewed this week. And, you know, they're getting better at tracking older movies, so let me pick one that's kind of...
1: Are you one Taken?
2: No. <laughs> I think I know what that...
1: Means. A very special set of <laughs> skills. <laughs> that's Taken, isn't
2: it? Uh, yes. Is Angelina Jolie in that? No. Uh, she's in Wanted yeah um Taken's moral is don't go to paris you'll get kidnapped <laughs> by albanians
1: <laughs> you damn albanians um at any rate
2: <laughs> it's a, me- a movie for our times and that we are not allowed to go anywhere now and taken is like you never should have
1: so so are we doing taken or did you have <laughs> fine one? let's
2: do taken we've talked so much okay
1: about it. we're doing taken um all right, since you're picking the movie, I'll go first with my guess. And I'll try, I'm yeah, to say 78.
2: I am going 45. Oh,
1: shit. It's, he knows. it's a bad movie. He knows. That movie knows. is real mean-spirited. But they had two sequels.
2: They, it does have a very famous
1: meme attached to it. Uh, it's 41. I've got a 74 from People.
2: That's about right. 41.
1: Must have been a box office success.
2: It was.
1: All righty. Sequels and everything. Well, I've never seen Taken, so I don't know who's in it, so I'll have to go with Liam Neeson. But then again, I don't know that Liam Neeson's ever been in any movie other than Taken. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm having a hard time picking another movie here. Uh, Let's go with Wanted.
2: Okay. (laughs) These are some dire, dire movies. Uh, Do I go first? Mm Mm-hmm. I think this movie is better reviewed than it deserves. I don't like Wanted at all. Uh, But I'm going to say like a 65.
1: All right. And I'm going to say that you're overestimating that. I'm going to go with like 59. Okay. Is that the one where they curve the bullet? It is. Oh, okay, I did see this.
2: That's I hard. don't like it.
1: Ah, shit, 64. Ooh, look at me go. Yeah, well, I you went... Did,
2: you did well, too.
1: No, I went lower than you, and you were... Oh, okay. Yeah, it fell in between. You got
2: five. You, you did well by any metric. I just... I, I yeah, almost... Yeah, but I need to make
1: it. up... So, okay, fine. Anyway, go ahead. You're, this is the... Yeah, that's right. The guy hits, uh, like smashes his boss in the face with a keyboard
2: yeah he really doesn't like his boss (laughs) or
1: his keyboard
2: (laughs) he doesn't (laughs) like his keyboard um yeah i don't know i found that movie a little
1: mean too
2: i mean i get it it's an action movie but i don't know i saw it at the now demolished usc village theater
1: yeah it's essentially the spider-man 3 like Tobey Maguire going bad of an action movie <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the dancing emo kid movie
1: that's about right um, oh so me your turn to pick a movie All I right, went with Angelina Jolie out of Taken when she wasn't well, was Liam Neeson in Wanted no okay so Morgan was, Freeman was there's, <laughs> yeah, same, same okay. thing potato potato
2: alright here we go Morgan Freeman here's a movie I just watched and I think it's famous enough it should have reviews Let's go with nineteen eighty Morgan Freeman starring Glory. Civil oh, War
1: movie. Yeah, I know Glory. Uh It was alright. Yeah, this is the uh uh let me see, is this the Canadian uh Air Force No, that's a different um that's World War One. This is the Civil War movie, so this is yep. the black regiment fighting for the North. You are correct. Yeah. Uh, um I'm going to go with, uh, 82.
2: Okay. I'm going to go with, like, a 75.
1: All right. and Watch it be in the 90s. So I'll, I'll, I'll only gain seven points on you, which isn't going to be enough to win. But glory. Britney Spears, glory.
2: <laughs> yeah, Britney Spears and Morgan Freeman... ...are the first black soldiers to
1: fight in the Civil War. Um, there it is. 83. Huh. you did well. What you say again? 82? I believe so. so you You're the scorekeeper. You're supposed to be writing this down. I'm not supposed <laughs> to have to remember once I spit it out of my mouth. And I did
2: 75, so I get an 8.
1: So I'm only going to gain 7 points on
2: here. I think that's a little high for that movie, but... What is the what is
1: the one with the uh, the black regiment in the Canadian Air Force?
2: I think it's called Red Tails.
1: Okay, let's not do that one. Nah, nah. Let's Morgan Freeman, eh? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Every time, uh, (laughs) I get another freckle. (laughs) um, um, Deep Impact. Mm.
2: Presidential Freeman.
1: Yes. Whoever ever thought that we'd have a black president? Who ever thought? Oh wait! Oh wait! Back? We did have. That's I, I. I forgot because it's been four years of hell. Where the, it's just uh-huh. like riding a bike. And getting yeah. another white president, right? Except the bike's on fire and the grounds on fire and everything's on fire because it's hell. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: Your guess?
1: Me.
2: Oh me. Uh... 57?
1: Make the catcher 57, he says. All right, I'm going to go with 68. Just going to go ahead and hope that you are guessing too, though. Deep impact. Jody Foster in there, too?
2: Uh... I know Julianne Moore? Oh, shit. Isn't it? 40. Uh... Oh, yeah, okay. So that didn't do well.
1: So let me see. Was that five? Uh... What did I say? I said 57, so I get a 70. No, no, but was that five movies four movies? That's four. All right, you get to pick the fifth. Um, Okay. Although, shouldn't I, because I'm losing? You should. (laughs) No, no, you do it.
2: Uh, Who's in Deep Impact?
1: Okay, wait, I will do it. Chain Reaction. That's Keanu Reeves? And Morgan Freeman, I think. Okay. Isn't Morgan Freeman in that, too, or do they just come out right next to each other? Uh, I didn't see it.
2: I actually know nothing of this movie.
1: They they found the secret of Cold Fusion. I've seen it on... It's been on, like, TNT. I've seen, like, segments and whatnot.
2: It was, like, right after Speed, I want to say. Hmm. Because that's when Reeves... Because that's when I knew who Keanu Reeves was. I had not seen Bill and Ted until very recently.
1: Quite right. Quite right.
2: So... So do I guess first?
1: Yeah, I picked the movie, so...
2: Um, chain Reaction...
1: I'm gonna go with a 45. I'm gonna look it up and then guess exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I uh, should have thought of that. 72. Chain reaction. That's some pretty good one hand typing there, Rob. Okay. Uh, to be determined? <laughs> oh, no, that's a, um, that's a TV show. What year did we say?
2: I don't know, but I would guess like ninety
1: five maybe we don't have this one, although I feel like Metacritic should have this oh come don't ask me these questions google ninety six boom uh I'll just search Chain Reaction 1996. Will that do it? Maybe. Having a hard time, having a hard time. Can
2: you uh, filter it to just do movies?
1: Uh, That's probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wear a mask. (laughs) Uh, No, Brady, we're in the same household. We don't have to wear a mask. Oh, I just searched for 1996. <laughs> no, nothing coming up.
2: No kidding.
1: All right, well, you you go ahead and pick one. I, yeah, I picked three in a row.
2: Uh, Let's go with speed.
1: Speed. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to look. Um, that's Keanu Reeves. That's Keanu uh, Reeves. I think that's got to be like an 80T
2: um could be i'm gonna go with a 70 but that movie's great murr ebert gave it four stars i don't think there were enough people who had the balls
1: to be like
2: yo action movies 78 good oh good you know what that's refreshing
1: all right can you tally those scores up yeah with well you, your you went fricking, with 80 i went with 82 82 years, so that's four for you oh, wait did i You're supposed to fucking keep track of this, damn it. And what's the answer? I won, right?
2: Um, no. (laughs) You got a 70. I got a 38. Bummer. It's me. I can't even
0: enjoy it. A (laughs) Metacritical. I won
2: again. Fuck you. That high-voiced bastard is right. I did win again.
1: Okay, so we have more things to discuss, or should we uh, go through the picking the next movie?
2: Let's see. Let me go through this big list of stuff. Uh, you know what thing I like that's just like, I like this as a procedural thing that movies do? Mm. I like how the um, Mr. Arthur character um, is basically quiet for like his whole story, mostly. Partly because that's the nature of the character. He's like the taciturn manly man. It's like, well, that's a high price. You you paid too much for that kid. But then, like, I like that at the end he gets, like, this whole arc of his own. It's like introducing a character, like, at the last minute.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um,
2: Yeah. Uh, I like the mystery of that.
1: Procedural thing. Yeah, that's good. That's good.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like Prestige TV has started doing that too, where it's like, oh, we're going to sit on this character. You think he's not much of anyone, but guess what? He's going to become big, like Desmond or someone.
1: Indeed. Indeed. I'm having a hard time thinking of, of what to suggest for a next movie. Um. I mean, like, you know, my situation where I was working too much and I have spent a long time getting <laughs> better. As a, a, a regular listener to the podcast would be not frightened or or shocked to learn I was in an accident. And I hit my head, and that's part of why we haven't been so productive. But uh, no, we're productive again. We are. And But I haven't watched movies, really. I just had a big lull in movie watching.
2: Go with an old classic.
1: I can't think of any classics. <laughs> I don't think any good movies exist, do they?
2: no we hate movies I don't know why we podcast about them
1: oh yes so uh, I guess I should suggest uh, Swimming with Sharks
2: Swimming with Sharks that's a Spacey movie
1: 90s Uh, I think it's Spacey and Matthew Broderick he is like the worst spoken Uh, uh, boss
2: okay okay and I'm gonna go with go with something I've seen recently what am i excited about Stuff. let me go with a movie called um i'm gonna go with married to the mob i watched that and i really enjoyed it recently jonathan demi movie with michelle pfeiffer
1: all right well let me suggest another one then i don't really want to watch married with the mob for- so good yeah, I mean it's all right. It's all right. I was. Uh, oh, you've seen it before. Well, I was in and out of the room when you were watching it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, you've been doing your your film projects.
2: I'm almost out of the '80s,
1: so. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Brady's been doing uh, watching every movie since 1960 that he thinks as of note for a year. So, all that's been happening.
2: It has. It's been educational. And fun. The '80s are an underrated decade, I must say.
1: Some yeah. Good,
2: good, good stuff.
1: Yeah. Now you're clouding my mind with things that I can't pick. And I got to nominate, nominate something. I got to nominate something. I got to think about. Okay, how about *Call Me Lucky*, which is a film by Bobcat Goldthwait about Barry Crimmins? How about it? All right. There's that suggestion. You got one more.
2: Oh, do I? Okay. Uh, all right. Let me go with. With a heavy hitter, art house heavy hitter from the 80s, Paris, Texas. What's that? Um, it's a Wim Wenders movie. It's great. Uh, it stars Harry Dean Stanton, who is an actor I love. Um, and it's just about a, I don't want to spoil it, but it's about like a guy who kind of is just like wandering around the desert.
1: Okay. As of these four movies, I'm going to prop up Paris, Texas. I like that idea.
2: Okay, um, so what do I do? I, forget you, what
1: I do? You take one of the four movies that's been suggested and say, I'm going to put forth this one.
2: Okay, and can I do Paris, Texas?
1: You can, it won't be entertaining, but... Uh,
2: oh yeah, no, no, okay. So, <laughs> um, I'll prop up Lucky for you.
1: Okay, yeah. uh, we got to do the, the one, two, three shoot. Do you want Please. evens or odds? I
2: want odds.
1: Okay, we're doing it one time. One, two, mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. shoot. You got right. a two, I got a one. So, What's the odds. So what, what did you say? Oh, I said Call Me Lucky. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, All we're right, we're
2: weird, we weirdly swapped. These, we're
1: watching Call Me Lucky next week. The process okay. is the process. Well, we're glad to be back, people. Uh, we're in a new studio. I'm still trying to get it dialed in, so hopefully it'll sound better next week. But thanks for listening. Join us next week. Watch Call Me Lucky beforehand.
0: And theme song. (laughs) Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch, with Brady and Rob. Well, I'm a lady.
2: I should not have to go in the death hotel.